Take the tests online. There's lots of tests online, but don't rely on that. What you want to rely on is your curiosity and your just getting, uh, just starting to watch uh, how you behave in situations. And the stuff that annoys you, that's gold because that, that violates your rules. Uh, and that's a great door into what you expect the world to provide you. Uh, and it's not. Uh, and so that's a great way of you know, doing it. All right, well, let's, let's launch in. Okay, let's launch in. So um, today we thought we would talk a little bit about how um, we can use the Enneagram as a tool for spiritual growth, spiritual development, spiritual transformation. And um, it, it occurs to me, I want to sort of preface all this by saying that there are lots and lots of paths and methods to become a more spiritually developed person. Uh, this is one of them. And they're all, you know, everybody kind of finds their own way. And like Bob so elegantly said, there is no right and no wrong, right? <laughs> um, and, and, and you kind of have to find the one that works for you. This one happens to work for Rick and me because there's, um, it, it makes sense to us. There's a method behind it. And it, it has created more change in us than other things that we have tried. But that being said, the more we learn and the more we read, the more we realize how similar all these paths are and how much they overlay with each other and work together with each other. So there's very little contradiction when you get really into it. So what we're doing is using the language of the Enneagram and the lens of the Enneagram, and that's what we're going to be, how we're going to be focusing on this today. And we're just going to be looking at one aspect of your spiritual transformation. There's a lot of ways to define that or describe that as well. So we're going to just sort of take one slice of it today that we think is, is relevant to what we've been talking about and, and go that direction. So just to get us started, to keep us on the same page, to put a little, our arms around what is spiritual transformation? What does that mean to us? So for today, anyway, we're going to be using that in the sense that, first of all, what it's not. Spiritual transformation is not angels bursting out of the sky and singing and harps playing and the earth moving and uh, it's not a rush, it's not a high. Those things actually happen to people who don't even have spiritual paths. I mean, it happens to all of us. That kind of yeah. sense of overwhelmed connection, uh, you know, ESP, all these different experiences, that happens. You don't have to be a spiritually seeker to do that. But this is something else. And there are spiritual moments yeah. like that. There definitely are spiritual moments like that. And we've all experienced that. About is actually having a shift on the inside that is how we live our lives on a day-to-day -day basis, how we interact with our world, how we interact with the people with it, how we stay grounded and centered and responsible and deal with it in a, on a day-to-day -day basis. And that is really a hard task. It's a lifelong task. It's a lifelong journey. And um, from the Enneagram perspective, it is our Enneagram type that separates us from spiritual experience. We can't really have, it's our, our ego, our false personality, our Enneagram type, kind of use those terms interchangeably. And that's the barrier to spiritual experience. So when we're talking about relaxing our type structure, 
And what we're really all about in here, if you've been with us this whole time, is noticing when it comes up, observing it from an objective position, you know, and without judgment, and then learning how to relax it in the moment. And that is a spiritual practice. Relaxing it in the moment and being open to grace, open to connection between people without our defenses, without our type getting in the way. And where that takes us then is that part of our spiritual path is acknowledging all parts of me from the very best of myself to the deepest, darkest shadows and everything in between and accepting that as part of who I am and owning my part in it and having the compassion to love myself through it and be able to experience it and be present with it all and integrate all of it into the whole of who I am. So another way of saying that is that instead of earning our worthiness, which is what the types have us do, we are fundamentally worthy from the outset. We just haven't discovered that. We just don't live like that. Um, and so that's the that's really the and so it, it's not a it's not a takeaway if I do something stupid or something unselfish. It's just how I was operating that moment, and that's a big for me. That's a big change because I've been chasing worthiness my whole life. So that's a it's a nice you know, shift. So um, so when we talk about our type structure, a lot of times people are, will you know say I'm you know recovering from my type. I'm you know I'm trying not to be my type. The reality is your type is with you from here on. And um, the more we can accept that and, and acknowledge that, the less stress, the hard, less hard it's going to be. And the more we'll be able to integrate. It's part of who we are. It's not all of who we are by any stretch, but it is part of who we are. So if we can own that and um, learn how to work with it, um, we have a better chance of it. And the and the other side of that is we don't want to get rid of our type. I don't know if we made this point before, but it serves us very well in this world. It has many, many gifts, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Our type brings lots of gifts to us, to the world, to the people in our world that we're in relationship with, lots and lots of them, and it helps us to survive. Like we were all spiritual and receptive all the time. We get mowed down over and over again by all those other types out there, right? So, so we want to, we want it. We just want to be aware of it and learn how to use it with consciousness and awareness, so it's not getting away from us and driving us and blindsiding us. So here's a example from last week of uh, spiritual transformation. How it looks mundane and ordinary. So at, driving home. Remember last week. Janice was describing some event at Seton Cove. Remember that? And she did a great job of describing all that and so forth. So um, driving home, Leslie and I were chatting about it, and we discovered that both of us came right up to wanting to contribute something else to Janice's presentation. And when we were talking about it, I did it. I wanted to do it because I wanted to be helpful and have you remember that I was contributing something valuable to this conversation. That was my motivation, my two motivations. Leslie's was? Mine was, 
Oh, I know Seton Cove. I do things there. We teach there. We go there. I'm part of the family. I'm included. I belong. And and that's my my that's social subtype instinct says, yeah, yeah, I'm part of that. I'm part of that. And so both so. of us, you know, uh, after 35 years of, no, after 20 years of playing ourselves, we shut up. We didn't say it, you know. And that was good because it would have just confused things. And... Uh, but my, my, you know, just speaking for myself, my instinct was to contribute. And it turns out, after I, um, you know, recognized that I was just trying to get airtime, um, I realized I really enjoyed Janice's presentation then, because then I could really be present with her presentation. Whereas before, I was going, how am I going to contribute to look helpful here, you know? Uh, and so it's a, it, it really does change your experience when you're when you're in a in little, and this is just a little example, but it happens all day long for all of us, you know. So. If you, once you start noticing, it's really interesting. Once you start noticing it come up, it's everywhere, <laughs> and it's like, oh my God! You can be just horrified and shocked and amazed, but it's everywhere, just in the smallest of ways, like that to the to the big reactions. Good. So we're passing around a uh, sheet called I what's it called idealization uh, idealization of type. And this is the, the North Star for all of us, meaning, you know, navigators use the North Star in the ocean, you know, centuries ago. This is uh, what, this is the best, this is the best be. These are the thing. this is the way we want to characterize, characterize ourselves and think of ourselves. And so it is a uh, huge benefit to us because when we have a decision to make, we don't, without, this is all unconscious. We just consult our idealization and do that. Uh, and so it produces the gifts for each of the types as well. So for in my case, I'm caring and I'm helpful. That's my idealization. And so whenever in doubt, I look for something helpful to do. Open the door for someone coming into the retail shop. Uh, ask Leslie what I can do around clean up the kitchen. You know, whatever that looks like. Um, in a thousand little ways, that's how I am guiding myself. Um, Ray, if he's a three, is going to be looking for things that, uh, d you know, deliverables that he can produce, that, you know, things that he can, you know, deliver that are exceptional. Um, so every type is going to have another North Star that they're going toward. And this is a good thing. I mean, this produces um, the gifts of each type because... It's what we're trying to. It's how we're trying to present ourselves in the world, both to other people, but mostly to ourselves. And so, the idealization is really important. So, take a look at yours, and we want to um, give you a chance to. Some of them, may, the wording doesn't matter so much. I mean, you may have a different word for what you're doing, but it is important that you try to identify. You know, how do I? Who? You know, wh what do I think of my best self? What is? What is it about me that's so? that I like, that I really am trying to achieve, that I'm trying to, you know, live out. Um, and that's what these idealizations are. So take a look at yours and see if, it, if it's confusing. What we're going to talk about a little bit here. So we're going to each one. Uh, it's really this is to the point of um, if you're a one, well, I'm a seven, you know, and I, I, I literally will walk into a room and think, if I'm not, oh, upbeat and positive, what will people think? They don't know who I am. That's how big this is. This is the, uh, in psychological terms, this is the ego, this is the ego's value, being this way. 
And that's the that's our calling card for each of us uh, in different ways. I mean, as many people as there are, you're going to have a slightly different way of producing it. But that's it's the hard it's the you know it's the the hardware in the in the system. Okay. So, Wesley, so you, are you, you're a seven? I'm a seven. Okay. So, the other part of that I'm wondering is if, if you want people to perceive you as being positive and interesting or something. And so, if if someone says to you, so, so says something sort of uh, critical mm-hmm. of your, uh, you say that you're not, well, you're so negative, is something which is you mean if I'm not doing my idealization well no if you're if someone just sort of says something to you that That um, hurts me it hurts you right is is this the most is that the most hurtful thing you can hear is that you 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 are uh you're so negative and you're and you're not very interested oh yeah is that the most that would kill me phil yeah (laughs) the the the, uh but here's what i the negative won't happen because she's not negative but the you know you're not interesting that'd be a killer right and, and what I'll do with that when I'm on automatic is put on a big smile and make a joke about it while inside I'm falling. Right. So those are, yeah, those are arrows and those are, uh, yeah, so those originally were the, the arrow going uh, towards you uh, is the one that, yeah, towards you is the one you do when you're relaxed. So, for example, I'm a two, so four is coming toward me, so I'm less sober, less earnest, I'm more playful, more, uh, and the one going away is where you, how you react in stress. Uh, so, for example, as a two, my arrow goes to eight, and so twos typically don't, don't say no very much, they don't, you know, stand up for themselves much, and so when you get stressed, you tend to stand up for yourself. You, say, you can say no, you can be angry, uh, and so, but that is, don't be distracted by that, that and that's another feature of this whole system, but... Um, but that's not part of the idealization. And the real way to use it is, in different situations, which, what we all want to do is to be able to consciously adapt and present the gifts of each of the types, even though we have our specialty or whatever our home type is. So you may have a question about what, what they're... So ones are, are going to be very competent. They're going to be conscientious. They're going to be dedicated. They're going to be right. I mean, they're going to do the work to be right. Um, any and ones? Who are ones? No, you're out there. <laughs> and so, for example, in the conversation this morning, you were clarifying, uh, you know, the what you were expecting for the for the party coming up, and wanting to be sure that we understood what the you know what the what the game was. And that we do it right. Yeah. Because you're trying to you know because <laughs> because you're trying to because you know it, we won't. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. So we're all off here. So, you're trying to help us, you know, kind of improve our standards. I mean, you know, so and twos like myself, um, we're you know dedicated to being caring and helpful, and so we're always, without even thinking about it, are going to be trying to do that. Um, threes are going to be trying to be, you know, as I said before, deliver something impressive, some achievement, some goal, some product um, that uh, is uh, that is unusual and exceptional. Fours are going to be living in a way that looks very unique and very uh, complex and very interesting. And they're going to seem to themselves and that they don't fit in on this planet um, because they're that different. Um, so is this making sense or is this sounding you know, goofy to you? Uh, give me some... Uh,
What happens is once you, once you, um, yes, we encourage you to do it if it's appropriate in the situation. The, 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 the gift of, I mean, the purpose of this practice of noticing that your type is, you know, is going, lunging in a certain direction is to have the freedom to choose how to act. If we have, if you have no interest in this system, you know, and lots of people don't, they will just do what their type does, and they, they'll be fine. I mean, they'll they'll do what they'll, they'll annoy some people and enchant some other people, and they just won't be aware of what they're doing. But they'll be carried through uh, their lives by their type, which is okay. That's you know that works. Um, but this, by being aware of it, you get a chance to actually be in charge of how you respond in situations, and and uh, choose how you are. You know, so those cases where we Leslie and I held back, those were cases where our type just wanted to be seen, you know, and so that was not adding anything to the conversation. Janice was doing a beautiful job describing what was going on with seeing. And, and I want to make note that the term holding back implies, no, don't do it, don't do it. Mm-hmm. What we did was just relaxed that impulse rather than to, you know, stomp it down and try and control it, but just to say, oh, I don't need to do that, it's okay, and just relax into it, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then it wasn't pushing us and compelling us like it had been a minute before. And you say d- relaxed easier is what the because the impulse, the type impulse, is always to do whatever the type would do, and then that that's what that's what creates the non-choice. You know. So when we sometimes people will say, "Oh, you know, I used to want to help people all the time. I don't want. I don't do that anymore." We're going to talk about that later on today, too. But that's, <laughs> that's not just, true. That's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is just stuffing it and not paying attention to it and pretending like it's not there mm-hmm. because it's there. But it's very, that, that view of I uh, used to be a certain type and now I'm not anymore is very consistent with the American self-help industry. I mean, when you, you know, invest work and invest thinking in something, you want to be better. And so, how do you, you know, describe? And being we better? want to be better in a weekend. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> not over a lifetime. <laughs> and so the way you, you know, look really better is you get over your type. Okay, so now um, let's talk about the. Uh, okay, so, so what's the benefit of having this north star and this idealization that we're all that we're trying to live up to? So the first, um, the first thing is that it gives me a sense of value. If I'm a caring, uh, helpful person. I, I deserve a place on the planet, right? Um, so you're you're justifying, in a you know genuine way, that I'm bring value to the the community, my family, and so forth. So that's the first thing. Second thing, it protects me as long as I'm focusing on my good qualities. It protects me from noticing that along with my helping, caring, I have a lot of other qualities that aren't so cool, like overhelping, like um, trying to sneak in. Uh, my agenda without without you know without uh, acknowledging it a lot of things that uh, I do uh, my type that are not socially cool uh, and so I don't notice that stuff and so I keep that to the side while I'm focusing on the good stuff um, the third thing is there's I deny that there's anything disturbing to me personally that I, I deny as long as I'm looking at the helping caring stuff I deny that I'm really have any bad intentions uh, or any you know uh, stuff I do that is offensive to other people because after all I'm a g- I'm trying to be I'm only trying to help is, you know you've heard that people say that after a train wreck you know where they where they've created some mess and they go I'm only, you know, that's true in their mind but 
And then finally, um, it allows me to cover up my unintended behavior, you know, the stuff that, I, again, that's not so pretty. So, so there's lots of reasons this works for us um, because we can think of ourselves as good people. And we are good people, but this is, a, this is like a, you know, a, an artificial way of being a good person and reminding ourselves, I'm really a good person, I'm a really good person, I'm a really good person, uh, while underneath knowing that there's a lot of other stuff going on that we're not paying attention to. There are also a lot of costs to it. Those are the, that's the upside of it, and that's what keeps it going, and that's what keeps it in place. And, and there's also, we didn't mention the juice of the tide, mm. which is, you know, when, when, when I'm, as a seven, doing my razzle-dazzle, woohoo, let's go stuff, it's juicy, it's fun, it feels really good. And that's going to be true for each of us. When the ones are doing, you know, all fixing it up and making it all just so, when the twos are helping everybody and so on around the Enneagram, that feels really good. And that's not that easy to give up. It really isn't. So, you know, in this day-to-day spiritual spirituality that we're talking about, it's a much more neutral place. So it's a little bit, it's not quite as exciting, you know. It's just, it's a little more ordinary, I guess, for the four, so I'll say that, for the four. The biggest cost is that we invest our value as a human being in this idealized version of ourselves. And the extent to which we are attached to this idealized version of ourselves, we are not allowed to be authentically who we really are. So what we're doing is cutting off a whole part of ourselves and denying it and um, not acknowledging it. And when we do that, we can't be whole. We just can't get things. We're not accepting a whole bunch of us that yeah. 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 And it's and and that stuff, you know. I mean, we all know that leaks out when we deny it. It pops out at the most inopportune times, and (coughs) we still try and shove it down and shove it down. The other thing is that when we don't live up to our own idealization, you know, when maybe I am crabby, you know, I'm bitchy someday. Which occasionally is. <laughs> occasionally, yeah. But when, when I, yeah. When I don't live up to that, I get very self-critical and beat myself up. You know, now I'm a bad person. Now I'm ashamed. Now I'm embarrassed. Now I'm, you know... All those things. All of which don't help. I and mean, that actually keeps the type going when you get embarrassed and shameful and all that stuff. It's right. not, that's a... Then my type steps in and goes, oops, they get happy, put on that big smile. And then there I am again. I'm in it. I'm in it. So the one other thing is that it keeps us from having compassion for the broken parts of ourselves. And those parts of ourselves that we shove into the shadows and don't want to acknowledge are the very parts that most need our attention and most need our compassion. Those are the parts of us that are hurt and broken and pained and, you know, come from maybe negative experiences, who knows. But those are the very parts of us that need us the most, and those are the parts we're denying. And that makes me very sad. And finally, it keeps us, as long as we can keep that all at bay, it keeps us from having to work on ourselves. Because I can say, no, you know, I go to church every Sunday and they tell me to be positive and be happy and look at me. I am. And so I don't have to work on myself. I'm fine. I'm just fine. So those are big costs. Let me ask you, is uh, 
can you can you see these things like uh, and let's just say a two you know if you you feel uh, compelled to uh, show how helpful can can you equate that feeling uh, with a, cr a cry for love or something you know or, or you're looking for love in the wrong places kind of deal and mm -hmm. you're looking Yep. We're just looking for affirmation, maybe, right? No, everybody is. For I mean, appreciation and acceptance. Everybody on the circle is. All these <coughs> gifts are, are, okay. are, are pass cards to participate. In other words, to be accepted, not to be kicked to the curb from the tribe. And they are real gifts, and they provide real benefits to everybody else in the tribe. And that's why I believe they've you know, evolved. The, the same kind of stuff. I mean, this started in the third century. I mean, the, the vagary is back in the desert with his monks. And... So it's not like it's new, it's just that it's out of sight. And so it's our evolutionary system, our personality has you know, evolved into these nine systems for providing value, keeping, you know, part of, being part of the tribe, and, and you know, making things move forward. And so it's a, you know, a long-term system. But, but I guess what, I, so what I'm getting at is you can use these things as reminders. So like if you... If you say something and you catch yourself either saying or wanting to say something to show how useful and, and helpful mm -hmm. you are, mm -hmm. could, we not, could you not use that as a reminder that, oh, I really don't need to be, feel so needed because I know that God loves me and that's where I get my ultimate self-worth. I mean, can you use it as sort of a, a reminder of where your ultimate mm -hmm. self-worth really comes from? If you catch yourself, that works sometimes. Yeah. Although that's a cognitive reminder. We believe that this this unconscious system is not a co is you know it has a cognitive feature to it. We have thoughts around it, but really, it's in our at the, at the cell level. In other words, we have when we're not when I'm not being helpful, or when you you know when I offer something and you go, oh, that's not very good, Rick. I mean, I have a physical clutch uh, in my body before I have a thought about it because I am so eager to be accepted and valued by the tribe that it hurts me physically first, and that's when it first hits. Mm -hmm. And the reminder that God loves me, that's nice, but I'm already doing a better job than him already. I mean, you know, I'm down here helping everybody, and thank you very much. You know, I mean, that's, the, that's, I mean, that's really, uh, for the two, I mean, our sin is pride, and that's what that's about. It's like, thanks very much, but I'm actually doing a better job, brother. I'll take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> The issues are in the tissues. I'm sorry. The issues are in the tissues. <laughs> yes, right. exactly. Yeah. That's right. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And if you don't do the, if you don't deal with the tissues, you know, you can emote it and you can think it. But we think that it, we, we think of ourselves as being our head, and uh, you know, I think therefore I am. And so uh, we don't give. We haven't had much practice, you know, knowing our body and including our body in in making changes. Uh, we think our head, you know, our body just supports our head, and that's who we really are walking around with. You know, so it's a, it takes practice to get the tissues, you know, coordinating. So you know, what? church, we're, we're taught it's faith and not good works that saves you. Okay, faith. But I think most of us, maybe all of us, know that we have to have some good works in there. I mean, there's some things you, you need to do, and I know it's not going to get into a big mm -hmm. discussion about reflection of mm -hmm. your faith. And the unconscious part. It pleases God. Yeah, yeah. It pleases the rest of the tribe. It should be at least helpful and pleases God, I would think. So. Yeah. Uh, so here's how I would respond to that. That 
when in Enneagram terms, I come to church and I'm going to do good works because, you know, for me, it's I'm doing it from my type structure now because, um, you know, yeah, I'm coming at it from the wrong place is what I'm saying. So I'm coming at it because all, all my friends are going to be there. Let's all go take, you know, food to the needy. That'll be, you know, good time on Friday afternoon. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. But that's not a spiritual um, moment for me. A, a spiritual moment for me would be to lose my type structure, to relax that, to come from a deeper place inside of me, a more grounded place, and and see that this needy family needs some food and just go take it to them for a different reason and from a different place in my body. I, I don't know if I said that well. Did that make sense? Yeah. Like connecting with the family, connecting with the circumstances, reminding your gratitude about your own circumstances, all that sort of thing. Right. I had a... A one asked me one time because we were talking about this very thing, and she looked at me in horror and said, "Does that mean I can't, you know, go make the world a better place? You know, because I'm a one, and I, you know, that's what I do out of my type." I said, "Not at all. You can still do that, but when you're coming at it from this more grounded place, instead of from your type saying this is wrong and that's wrong and I got to fix it and no, 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 all that, now you're doing it." The people around you are going to see it completely differently. You're going to be doing it from a deeper place without all the, you know, whatever one baggage, that, you know, stuff there is rattling around without the collateral damage. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do this to ones, but we all have this. This is just an example. But there's collateral damage when we do it out of our type in nine different ways. If we're not doing it from down here, at the very the very best of the collateral damages. Doing our types, we are unable to receive because we're working our case. I got you. And so, to even be able to receive grace, you've got to be able to not be in the type. I mean, to actually experience it. So that's a you know, and th that's why they were doing it in the third century is because this monk of Agrius was taking his followers out there, and he knew that they were not connecting to God, and he you know stumbled across seven ways that they prevented. Um, connection with God and this mm -hmm. yeah. that's the first benefit eventually the benefit is you have compassion for yourself the first the first cut first benefit is that wow I, my daughters when I was raising them I was trying to raise them to be little twos because I thought that was normal that was successful for me so they're going to be you know I got to make them be twos uh, and so that didn't go well uh, so <laughs> so and so uh, and so then, so you have, you know, you have the tolerance for people to be very different than you are, uh, and not have to follow Rick's rules, you know, in order to, you know, for me to like you. Or is how do you take yourself out of it? I mean, that, how do you take your, you know, how do you, how do you get your arms around doing this that? This is a really, this is a tool. Yep, exactly. Aware exactly. Yeah, because we always, I mean, we're always striving to transform. Yep. Isn't that? Yep. Yeah. And that doesn't leave much room for the ugly stuff. So let's, that's a great segue into spiritual bypass. And I want to. So that, the phrase spiritual bypass, is that familiar? Is that, okay. So spiritual bypass is when you are acting artificially in order to avoid pain uh, or conflict or discomfort. Uh, and the way it looks is this uh, somebody says something to me. Uh, this, let's talk about uh, family and intimates. Someone says something to me that hurts me, and 
instead of reacting to it or even uh, acknowledging that it happened, uh, I go, I'm bigger than that. Uh, after all, I've been working on this spiritual path for 30 years, and that sort of thing should not hurt me. And so remember last week we talked about pinches and crunches? So that is a self-imposed pinch when you do not acknowledge when something is, you know, has, has uh, impacted you for whatever reason. And then what happens is that it builds up. You're, you're, you're basically forcing yourself not to be aware of suffering you're, you're experiencing. And as a result of that, it builds up and then you have some kind of a release that's not pretty. Uh, and an example, um, the, the best example, you know, is that we, we're friends with a, a couple of uh, couples who are very devoted to spiritual growth and spiritual uh, transformation. They've been all over Turkey at all the Christian sites. I mean, they, they've done everything. And they go to church every week and blah, blah, blah. Nice, very good people. So traveling together, of course, there's going to be friction. And so over the course of time, they had several just little things that happened um, that were annoying. Uh, one person, you know, wanted to claim the mileage uh, for the hotel on his credit card. And so he, you know, put his credit card there and the other person thought that was, you know, unfair. I mean, just little stuff that you inevitably have when you're traveling with anybody. But because they were so working so hard on being spiritually transformed, they didn't, they didn't clean house. They didn't talk about it. They didn't communicate the friction. And so about, well, I don't know how long how it started, I guess, probably over a period of about five or six months, that couple totally broke up. In other words, and we were in a growth group with this couple over the course of years, and they went, they, they were, you know, in the, in the group, we were trying to clean it up, and they were demonizing each other, you know, like, you're evil, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's like it turned into this process of making the other people wrong, uh, all from the fact of trying not to be unspiritual, unchristian uh, in this situation. Does that make sense in terms of how that goes sour? And so the whole idea of I'm, I don't want to, I don't want, of course, none of us want to have pain or suffering, but if you don't acknowledge the pain and suffering, that's going to turn into something worse, uh, which in this case was, uh, you know, having this big dramatic, you know, blowout, you know, so forth. Does that make sense in terms of this? So, so, the, so the, the idealization is very helpful as a way of guiding us, but when you just focus on the idealization and you forget the other parts of yourself or you forget the suffering you do, you are setting yourself up for a big problem, for a big crunch. A big, a big uh, suffering. I can't decide whether I'm <coughs> feeling good about this or bad. <laughs> 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 Ask for feedback. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, well, I'm learning a lot. I can do so much better. But then I'm thinking, man, I have really screwed up in the past. There isn't a one of us who doesn't do that. Not a one of us. And that's one of the processes. Not a big deal. Is developing a lightness about our own foibles and our own blindness. Because once you have a lightness about it, you can afford to see it without making yourself into a you know dirty dog. And that is lovely. I mean that that creates a kind of grace. 
that you can interact with people for that is wonderful. I, mean, that I have to piggyback on what uh, Betsy said. Mm-hmm. Is I think the more that you learn about yourself and you accept yourself mm-hmm. as God made you based on all the experiences that you've had in your life, you are more forgiving and accepting of other people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And when I think about all the friends that I have now and how they're all very different, they don't all have to be just like me. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm glad they're not all just right. like me. Mm-hmm. So the more that I accept myself, then the more grace mm-hmm. and, and uh, acceptance I can have of other people. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful place to be. Absolutely. Really, Absolutely. it is. Okay. Notice that we're focused on being accepting of other people, we leave out ourselves a lot. Right. And so that's where I would right. recommend putting your focus is being compassionate with yourself because that produces real results. I mean, we're already being trained and practicing being better Christians and more loving to our to our you know community members. We got that one down. Mm-hmm. But the self-compassion is a much harder, uh, much less developed area. Right. That's probably one we have to Yes, because it seems selfish to do that. Yes. You know, yes. you know, in conventional means, yes. it's like, what kind of a person is he? You know, he, how come he's not compassionate with other people? You know, so mm-hmm. we. Uh, well, the comment that you landed, everybody's not like you. Associate <laughs> with your type. The good parts you really love. <laughs> the, the ideal parts, I love that part of you. Mm-hmm. If you're the same as me, those bad parts, though, they really rub you wrong. Or those aren't raised rules. Yeah. Bad, yeah. 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 Bad yeah. I mean, when she's with another one who knows the right ways to do it, <laughs> that is irritating, isn't it? Because you're outnumbered. <laughs> <laughs> Paradox- yeah, paradoxically, when we suffer or experience somebody suffering, getting down beneath the good stuff, that is more bonding and more uh, humanizing than sharing what hot stuff we all are in our ideal. I mean, it's interesting. It's a paradox. But if you think about it, when you were, you know, with family or friends or your spouse or whatever, and you were, you know, not not low points like depressed, but stumbling over stuff you do that is so dysfunctional, when that comes out, um, it is enormously uh, intimate uh, and and um, hum- you know, it's humanizing. It's a it's a different experience than the juice of. Ah, my helper, you know, it's different. So let me add on, unless anybody has anything. I just want to say that in our um, teachings, what we believe is necessary for spiritual transformation is a psychological understanding of your own type and how it works for you, the spiritual practice of coming inside, going into the pain and relaxing, and the somatic piece which is what Rick talked about a little earlier, feeling it in your body. And most of us are not very familiar with those reactions in our body because they're not very pleasant. And we tend to want to just, you know, distract ourselves or do something else. But that is the entryway into this whole thing is noticing when there's a clutch or there's a pounding or there's a whatever there is for you in this particular case is your cue that something's up. Something is up right now, and to kind of take a pause and, and investigate that. So I would just encourage you to just on a day-to-day basis, just start noticing. You know, if you know you got a little tingle here or a little clutching there or whatever it is, your feet are tired, whatever it is, 
just get more familiar with what's happening inside of your body and you'll have a lot more cues about when these reactions come up and a little head, head start on being able to, to manage them a little bit. One other thing.